Damo. Can you believe Christmas is almost here? Thank God for Well and You, Bretto. If you're looking for inspirational gifts for your friends, family or colleagues, then Well and You have you covered. Why not give away The John, the iconic journal of me, which has taken the world by storm to help your loved ones create an incredible 2016. Or the beautiful coffee table book, INQ, The Inspirational Quotient. This stunning, full-colour coffee table book with inspiring quotes and images is the perfect Christmas gift. To see the full range of Christmas ideas, simply go to www.wellandyou.com. That's www.welliness.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Hey, Andrea. I'm having so much trouble losing weight. Just I'm doing everything and just nothing seems to be working. Oh, Ash, it must be thyroid. You've got a thyroid problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now we're starting today with a bit of absurdity. I think you can hear from us. We're a bit of play, play acting here, but um, wellness ladies out there, we want to t- touch on a really important topic today. And that is thyroid function. Because how many times have you heard what we just did? You know, if someone says they're having trouble losing weight, the next person said it must be a thyroid. The next person says, I'll oh, go get a thyroid test or someone else even offers to give you their thyroid tablets because it's working really well. And you know, and you don't know what it is you're playing with. You don't necessarily understand what the thyroid is and what it does but because you've got a couple of symptoms and your friend says that you know you should fix that you go on the rampage down and, and to hunt down that stupid little thyroid in your body that's not working so um, we're going to talk today about the thyroid what it does you know what's happening when it's not working well and obviously of course solutions what can we be doing to help promote improved thyroid function and um, yeah just have a better understanding of what the thyroid is more to than just simply I can't lose weight it must be my thyroid yeah, and it's so funny. I have so many patients saying to me, what can I take for thyroid? And I sort of look at them quizzically and go, what What do you mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. What's wrong with your thyroid? <laughs> um, and we shouldn't laugh. I mean, we're not laughing because um, we know how concerning this is for women. So I'll just yeah. bring that back down the tone. But we're just laughing because I think the absurdity happens in the sense that we're all getting caught in the same trap. Yes. And we're getting caught in this trap of, you know, Dr. Google showing us some of the stuff that, oh my gosh, that must be my thyroid. And we either get really, really alarmed by that and race to the first doctor who's going to listen to us, or we just start blaming the thyroid for some of our poor lifestyle choices and we don't solve the problem in and the it's outset. It's so complex. It's really complex, yes. Because I see so many women with hormonal uh, disorders, um, I see stacks of people who have a whole plethora of different symptoms and syndromes that, that go together, that all make up, uh, you know, that can fit in with that, that thyroid dysfunction pattern on the extreme of overactive, underactive, and anywhere in between. And, um, you know, I, I had a really lovely patient who was telling me her signs and symptoms and the things that she's been experiencing. And, you know, there was certainly a, a bit of history of thyroid dysfunction in her family as well. And she struggled to lose weight. She couldn't regulate her body temperature better. She felt like she would put on weight if she drank a glass of water. Um, but more importantly, she kind of had this disassociation with her body. She, The things that she was saying to me is that she did not feel within her body or did not feel like she had any control over what her body was doing. And that's a really uh, classic 
um, you That's know, quite a strong description, though, isn't yeah, it? To feel yeah. so, like, almost, like you said, out-of-body experiencing. You're just, just not connected. You don't feel yourself. You're not feeling quite right, but you can't explain it quite well enough. And no one's been able to explain it either. You know, she had normal, and I say normal, like quote unquote, normal thyroid tests. We're going to get into that in a minute because that's really important. Um, but no one was ever able to explain to her exactly what was going on or why to even look at the thyroid or that that might be an issue. Mm. Um, so let's talk about the thyroid because um, have, I guess for, I I'm certainly know quite a few people, when as soon as you say the word thyroid, your brain instantly snaps to National Geographic photos of women in Nepal or, or Africa with these really monstrously enlarged throats, you know, with this big lumpy tissue mass and, you know, you know that it's a goiter and it's because they're iodine deficient. And so, you know, then the question is, well, you know, you know your thyroid's in your neck there somewhere. Um, and really what it is is a butterfly-shaped gland mm-hmm. that sits around the level of, you know, if you sort of look at a man's throat, it's the Adam's apple. It sits it's around the level of that sort of cartilage, there's this bumpy bit at the front there where, where your Adam's apple would sit. Yeah, yeah. So just at the front of the uh, trachea, so just below the larynx. Um, and it is, it's not just a buzzword that controls your metabolism. Um, it secretes hormones. It regulates the activity of every, almost every cell in our body. Well, every cell in our body has a receptor for it. Yeah, exactly. So for thyroid hormone, yeah. Um, and it also regulates our sensitivity to other hormones like estrogen or cortisol. But it's also a slave to you know, our adrenal glands or vice versa, there's, you know, this very important feedback loop that happens between them, but also our ovaries and our ovarian hormones as well. It's, uh, yeah, super important. So it has an impact on every major system of the body. I mean, you can think of the thyroid as the central gear in a sophisticated engine. Yes. And so if that gear breaks, the entire engine goes down with it. Um, I, I love what you were saying about the the reference to you know the, the African women or, or with the goiter there, and and the size will actually change depending on you know pathology if there is some sort of underlying uh, disease process happening there, but hormonal influence as well. So um, the thyroid will actually expand slightly during pregnancy, and I so you've got a really cool yeah, story about that. Um, in some African communities, when women get married, they're given like a, a wedding necklace that they wear around their throat again at the level of of the larynx um that sits really tightly and when it breaks there's they assume that the woman is pregnant because the thyroid will actually expand with them you know as as pregnancy hormones elevate and so again an indicator of how that sits with the whole body systems that you know changes within can be you know witnessed and expressed with the thyroid function as well that's yeah that's fascinating so look i think there's um you know when we talk about thyroid today our key focus is on hypothyroid that tends to be the thing that um, most people have a problem with i mean gosh if you've got any concerns about your thyroid you're sitting amongst over 850,000 australians who are actually suffering from some form of thyroid dysfunction whether it be hypo or hyper mm-hmm. hypo being more common um i mean this is we're talking about you know we're seven and a half to eight percent of all women yes. have a thyroid function yeah. diagnosed and yep. that's not the ones that are undiagnosed yet or misdiagnosed. And that's about 60% of women. Yeah, yeah. of in the category of maybe 7.5% to 8% diagnosed, yeah. but then there's another huge percentage that are just sort of covering the symptoms with dysfunctional thyroid that have not yet 
identified that problem or they're on the cascade towards a more serious pathology that's going to require more medicalized interventions. Exactly. I mean, one percent, one half to 2% of men are also having problems with their thyroid. So it is re- relevant. It's obviously more gender specific to women. So hence the reason we talk about yeah. it in women's health yeah. and you hear about it so much in terms of women's circles. You talk to your girlfriends, you know, why certain women are having problems with thyroid because it's definitely more specific to uh, to thyroid. And look, in Australia, there's over 35,000 new cases of thyroid identified yeah. in women each year. And 24% of women over over 40 are on some sort of thyroid pharmaceutical medication. So um, these are huge numbers. Yeah, and that's yeah. why we're so you know passionate about sort of having a chat about this today, because if we can help you prevent you know yourself going down the pathway, getting left on thyroxine or some medication to help regulate your hormones, we'd love to help you prevent that. Now, if you're starting you know to identify some of these problems, what are some of the common things you could be doing to undo the damage or help reverse the damage or you know, just get your, your chemistry back in balance again and do that in a safe way? Uh, so today we're going to be talking more typically about hypo, so an underactive thyroid and classically the symptoms that go with that, are a whole range of different things that affect every system of the body. So starting at the top, um, mental slowing, depression is very much associated with thyroid function as well. Um, even dementia too, um, but more commonly weight gain, constipation, dry skin, hair loss, cold intolerance, um, even a bit of a hoarse voice, um, certainly irregular menstrual cycles or other hormonal fluctuations throughout your cycle can be associated with infertility as well. Um, Women who have an underactive thyroid will certainly have a lot more um, pain or fibromyalgic type symptoms. So muscle pain, stiffness, and usually diffuse pain and stiffness as well. Um, uh, You know, the the brittle skin, um, sorry, the brittle nails, the really dry skin, the straw-like hair, uh, fluid retention, the swollen ankles, um, even recurrent headaches. Um, And I know I mentioned constipation before, but if you're having less than one uh, good quality bowel movement a day with a complete sense of, you know, good evacuation, then, you know, that can certainly be related to um, thyroid dysfunction as well Um, and low sex drive too, really important. Yeah, and look, all of those symptoms, uh, myriad of symptoms you would hear and you think, ooh, hang on, I've heard that stuff, a lot of that stuff before. Where did I hear that? I know the girls have talked about this before and you can probably jump back to our adrenal episode because we start to talk a little bit about what happens when you start to get into uh, adrenal fatigue and there's a lot of symptoms that cross over and start to mirror one another and that's why it's so important to get to the bottom of the problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, we're going to talk about this interaction of the HPA axis and how that, you know, is involved with the thyroid function as well. And uh, So the- actually, can you just explain, so that, that HPA axis, that's the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. Can you just explain that feedback loop really quickly? Yeah, absolutely. So look, in the brain, you've got the hypothalamus and the hypothalamus has and secretes hormones. It's a biofeedback regulation. So you get, you know, chemical messages in, chemical messages out. It's going to signal the pituitary gland to go and do its job and that's again going to create stimulating hormones and look there's lots of little um, acronyms for all these hormones so I don't want to confuse anything too much all I want you to think about right now is this a communication pathway Mm -hmm. hypothalamus talks maturity pituitary talks to the adrenals and then through the biofeedback mechanism the 
the um, thyroid gland is also thrown in the mix there because all of these little hormones are interacting and, and regulating. You know, um, one gland says switch on a hormone, it gets the message, it switches on its hormones, and when you have enough free circulating hormones in the system, that little gland goes, oh, hang on, we've got enough in the system now, and it switches it off again. So it's this biofeedback mechanism, and the HPA axis is crucial to essentially life. I mean, it really is driving life within you, and all of the hormone endocrine system, your immune system function, your, you know, your brain function, it's just so crucial. So your hypothalamus and your pituitary are kind of those master systems that control and regulate all of the hormones that you know we're talking about here. And one of the, the problems with the thyroid is it's so complicated. And when someone's looking at you know your blood test results from your GP, it's no wonder that you get confused because the thyroid, or what we're going to talk about right now, is, or your TSH, or your thyroid stimulating hormone, has an inverse relationship to how your thyroid actually functions, and that's driven by the pituitary gland. So this is why so many people get really, really confused because um, with hypothyroidism, we're talking about an underactive thyroid. However, you will have an elevated TSH, so an elevated thyroid-stimulating hormone. And that's because the body, when we talk about this little communication pathway, somewhere along the chain there, someone is screaming out the thyroid-stimulating hormone, come on, thyroid, start working. It's screaming, it's screaming, it's screaming, it's screaming, but thyroid's not responding. So your thyroid's underactive, but it doesn't mean that someone's not there screaming at it, trying to get it working. And that's why your TSH is high because you're getting a lot of that presence because there's lots and lots more people in the system trying to scream at the thyroid. Come on, dude, let's get you working here. What's going wrong right now? Um, and so that's why you see the, like you said, the inverse relationship of being thyroid function down, but TSH levels Hi. Yes. So exactly. hopefully that makes sense to you guys because it is a complex thing and we, we are trying to sort of simplify it in a way that you go, okay, so that's why that does that. So then when you see looking at your results, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, and while we're talking about testing, let's just go into that in a little bit more detail because the levels that are within that normal reference range are pretty uh, broad and fairly subjective as well. So it's so common for women to have a quote unquote normal thyroid function test, but to still have signs and symptoms that would put them into a category of, you know, thyroid dysfunction. So your, your blood test may not be sensitive enough to pick this up. Um, and that's because when they initially started testing for the thyroid or testing THA, so thyroid stimulating hormone, they took a whole group of people, they tested all their thyroid function and they said, okay, this is going to be our bell curve. This is the normal reference range, but they they did not exclude in that group anyone with known or unknown thyroid dysfunction. So there were people. So they skewed the results. It's, it's really? totally skewed. So there's people that's created this bell curve who already have hypothyroidism. They haven't tested anybody else who may have other conditions. Um, so the bell curve in itself, for that reference range, which typically worldwide is between um, 0.4 to 4.5 ish. Um, I know in Australia, it's a little bit lower. Um, so anywhere along that spectrum and you can have a normal TSH score. Um, so it could even be an upper end and your doctor would say, no, that's absolutely fine. Whereas in functional medicine, we look at different things. So we look at a much narrower range and within uh, the because last... functional medicine is trying to pick up the warning signs, isn't it? We're yeah. Not... yeah I think the difference is, you know, and just to sort of explain the difference there, functional medicine is looking at some warning signs 
science because they're trying to prevent the clinical onset of pathology, which is when the real deal, full-blown conditions are present. And they should be looking at the body as a whole as well, so not just it as its individual parts because we know that the body is not a sum of its parts it it doesn't work nothing works in isolation to anything else exactly like you just described h with that hpa access Mm. um and because um tsh fluctuates so much they actually did a more uh sensitive study within the last decade where they took a really large group of people they excluded anyone from that with um abnormal thyroid function so excluding everyone with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's or any, you know, autoantibodies to the thyroid gland. And they measured the reference range in healthy individuals. And that was a much narrower range. So that's from 0.3 to 0.4 to 2. Mm, so it does tighten the parameters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I would consider a normal range when I'm looking at test results with the patient as well. So anything above 2, maybe 2.5 is is outside of that normal range um like i said tsh can fluctuate a lot um so you know functional practitioners will say that you actually have to test it a hundred times to get an accurate result um are there any other tests that you'd be doing for thyroid function that's the, that's the gold standard, isn't it? That's, I mean, that's really what you look at first and foremost. The TSH, but yeah. there should be um, an inclusion of a whole bunch of other things as well. So we're looking at T3, T4, reverse T3, reverse T4, and, and also free. free T3 and free T4 and thyroid antibodies. So, so this is getting confusing, um, but because TSH can fluctuate so much, this may not be the most accurate thing to look at in isolation. So it's like taking a whole puzzle, taking one piece of that puzzle out and looking at that and trying to figure out what the picture is. So that's the same thing that you're doing when you're testing TSH because it can also be affected by foods, supplements, your adrenal function, your ovarian function, uh, sleep, your lifestyle, and will fluctuate during the day as well. So it's not a, a diurnal hormone like, say, cortisol, but it will have differences between the start of the day and the end of the day. So it's going to change. So yeah, the and point there yeah, is and it's that it's so closely related to every other system. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to quickly run you through just quickly uh, three key things that you might have in your you know experiences of your health problems and go, oh, so that's how that's connected. So thyroid hormones have an important role, um, for example, in controlling the metabolism of some fats and sugars in the body. And so any impairment of thyroid function can result in elevated blood lipids. Mm-hmm. And that includes LDL, the so-called bad fat so Mm -hmm. or the bad cholesterol i should say and you know again you know when we're talking about diagnosing just based on certain sort of standards of testing um it's so precautionary from us to say let's try and get you to look outside the box because understanding that then you go oh hang on actually also wow that's interesting because i'm on statins or oh my cholesterol is high now you're starting to see the picture of how this all interacts and of course that leads in turn to an increased risk of cardiovascular diseases and contributes to a 300 percent risk of um, heart attack for hypothyroid patients. So, you know, it's so serious. It's so important to get this stuff right. And then let's talk about the gut. I mean, regulation of the gut and kidney function. It promotes um, the integrity of the gut lining and an optimal absorption. So if your thyroid is underactive, you know, your key roles of absorption are being impaired. And that also has an influence on your immune system because 70 to 80% of your immune system is run through your gut. And any disorder will have far-reaching effects. And very directly as well. So uh, we, we mentioned T3, T4 before. Let me explain that in a little bit more detail. So T4 is the inactive form of the thyroid hormone. So it must be converted into T3 
before the body can use it or before the cell can use it. And 20% of that conversion actually happens in the gut. Yeah. And so, so if your gut is not functioning, you can't get that proper conversion. Uh, and then therefore you can't actually use, you know, th- those hormones appropriately. And that's why there's so much misfiring and missignaling because you may have lots of the, the hormones running rapid in your system, but your body can't use them when they're not bioavailable because you can't get that conversion. So gut health is critical. Yeah. And so the, the thyroid gland as well, I mean, 93% of the hormone produced by the thyroid gland is this T4. So the conversion to these three is so important because otherwise there's all this stuff, it's unusable in your body. So yeah, look, and that's huge. And then again, that comes down to another thing as well. I mean, gut health, everything else. We're talking about women's health. What about fertility? You know, leading down the lines of, um, you know, our fertility regulation of the menstrual cycle and the fertility are also under the influence of the thyroid gland. And so women with an underactive thyroid can present with heavy painful periods, as you mentioned, yeah. um, irregular absent periods, estrogen dominance. I mean, yeah. And it's a bit of a double whammy there because when you have estrogen dominance, when there's too much estrogen in the system, it actually suppresses thyroid function. So in that, that bioregulation again, yeah, yeah, heavy stuff. And of course, then more tendency towards premenstrual syndromes, um, and look really sadly and, and, you know, very traumatic for a lot of women is recurrent miscarriage. Yes. So, yeah. you know, trying to identify underlying cause because it's not just about, you know, day-to-day how you feel, but in the case of fertility, it could be an underlying cause for, you know, the devastation of recurrent miscarriage. And that has a huge physical, emotional trauma on a woman as well. You know, even with best counseling, it's still a heavy burden to carry. So trying to identify problems before they become a more serious consequence um, is so important to us. And that's why, you know, as we call ourselves the wellness women, our goal is to help you guys identify problems before the bigger problems, transform your life, help the people you know and care about around you, and really bring more awareness to women's health and well-being. Because if it was as simple as taking a supplement or going for a walk in the park in the sunshine, um, we'd leave it there. <laughs> you yeah. know, we wouldn't, wouldn't spend our time here talking to you guys. We wouldn't spend our time researching it and spending all this time and energy into these topics because we're just you know we understand how complex it is it's complex for us so don't be too hard on yourself if you find it a little bit overwhelming or over complex in the beginning when you first find out there's a problem you're trying to learn about it Mm -hmm. just remember we've gone to uni for five years plus all these other years we've done this constant attention towards women's health it is really complex and we won't lie it's taken us a lot of time to get our heads around a lot of this stuff yeah yeah absolutely Most of what I see in practice is uh, they may not actually have a full-blown diagnosis of, say, hypothyroidism, but they certainly have the presentation of subclinical, so meaning they may not have a test result or a diagnosis of, you know, that hypothyroid condition, but they've certainly got subclinical presentation. And the absolute biggest contributing factor... Number one. Absolute number one, without fail, is stress. Absolutely. And we're going to walk you through now why that happens. Um, and just like the adrenal fatigue episode, um, you know, stress is the absolute number one biggest factor that's going to disrupt our hormones. Yeah. And look, chronic stress. So again, remember stress is actual or perceived. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just stuff that makes you feel overwhelmed that ramps up your adrenal cortical response. And, you know, over time, this constant and consistent stress, which we call chronic stress, weakens the function of your adrenals. 
and weak adrenals can cause hypothyroid symptoms without any problem in the hypothyroid in the thyroid gland itself. And so in such cases, you know, treating the thyroid is totally ineffective. It's actually unnecessary. And so we start mucking around with hormones. Yes. And yet that thyroid gland's function is simply a reflection of the underactive adrenals. I always uh, try to teach my patients that your thyroid is a slave to your adrenals or is a slave to stress. And so one of the key things now is to address the adrenal function because without addressing adrenal and thyroid together, you're missing a big part of the big picture, which is how do you help the thyroid gland work better? And you have to address the adrenals. And just from the most basic level, because of the fact that the adrenals regulate cortisol and your stress hormone production, elevated levels of that for too long, it's going to change your pituitary function. So remember there's that HPA HPA access or the HPAT access. Um, So that is what, you know, regulates your thyroid function too. So if we're disrupting pituitary function, we're disrupting thyroid, you know, that's it at its most basic level. Yeah. And look, chronic adrenal stress depresses the hypothyroid pituitary mm-hmm. function. That's it. So, you know, look, they're responsible again. There's so much stuff involved in them in terms of um, thyroid stimulating hormones, showing that, you know, there's so many chemicals involved in those cascades that you disrupt one, you disrupt all. Yeah. So you can't remove one without the others. Uh, look, we could probably bamboozle you with the whole heap of acronyms and it's very tempting to do that just so you understand what we're trying to talk about. But I don't think that's going to benefit you right now. I think it's just so important to get the key concepts here because when you get the key concept, you can then take action steps to change that. I mean, the adrenal stress we mentioned before reduces the conversion of T4 to T3. Yeah. So, you know, if you're not converting T4 to T3, which is obviously T4 is inactive into the active conversion of T3, then your body doesn't think it's got thyroid hormone around. So then it starts bringing in the TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone. It starts driving that up. Um, And, you know, the stress cycle itself creates these inflammatory cytokines and they also disrupt the HP access. And that's then going to interfere further with the conversion of T4 to T3. So what a biological markup that is and then there's that double whammy when there's less t3 there's more reverse t3 which actually blocks the thyroid receptors on the cells and because remember there's that inverse relationship between the the tsh or your thyroid hormone again if it's blocking the receptor it can't get into the cell so again it's screaming out to your pituitary we need more tsh and that's why your tsh levels are are going to keep rising as well and a big one, because we touched on the word before, and if you've got this, then your, your ears would have pricked up to this um, this word, Hashimoto's. And let me just explain the connection there. So Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disorder, um, inflammatory process. The body basically yeah, stops producing thyroid hormone because of the inflammation in the thyroid gland itself. And so, um, so an autoimmune disease just means that your, your body's own immune system cannot recognize its own tissue as being the good stuff. And then it, it mounts an immune response to that. So it's, um, it's a bit of a misfiring of the immune system where it's confused and will start to attack your own tissue. Mm, um, so being stressed out and being highly strung and, you know, life's too hard and there's too much going on and work's too hard and the kids are screaming and your husband's being a pain in the ass. 
and you're super stressed out chronically, then you're now going down the track of the autoimmunity issues because you're weakening the immune system's barriers. And so the GI tract, the lungs and the blood brain barrier are the primary immune barriers in the body. And, you know, they meant to prevent foreign substances entering the bloodstream and obviously then entering the brain. Okay. So that's really what they're there for. But adrenal stress weakens these barriers and that weakens the immune system in general. And so then it promotes poor immune system regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start to look at the gut thyroid connection. And with these, the immune barriers are breached by large proteins. And now I'm going to get to why there's Hashimoto's because other antigens are able to pass across the bloodstream or the brain and they don't belong there. And then your body mounts this enormous immune response yeah. and it happens repeatedly. The immune system gets thrown totally out of whack and we become more prone to immune disorders such as Hashimoto's or Graves. And it's the number one um, autoimmune diagnosis that people are given in the world at the moment is, is Hashimoto's. Um, so, you know, stress has such a massive impact on our whole bodies. If, if you haven't got this yet, then, you know, I'm hoping this is starting to sink in. Um, you know, your the HPA or the HPT axis is, is modulated by cortisol levels and then its inhibitor, which is melatonin, which is, you know, what helps us sleep. And if that is out of whack, they, they should, you know, inhibit each other. But when cortisol levels are too high, this can't happen, which disrupts that axis all over again. In turn, like like you said, impairs the ability, impairs your body's ability to respond to all of this stuff and the, for the immune system to respond appropriately as well, which weakens your body and um, depletes your body's ability to absorb micronutrients as well. So now we've got more malnutrition happening. So it decreases your body's ability to um, absorb copper, selenium, zinc, and those three components are what you actually need to make thyroid hormones in the first place. So can you see there's this vicious cycle and not to mention iodine because we're talking about you know the deficiencies and the malabsorption issues because deficiencies in those you know vitamins and minerals they arise as well due to soil deficiency Mm -hmm. so it's not coming through in our foods and poor nutrition and of course this leaky gut that we've we've addressed in other episodes as well i mean gosh it's um have you, I, hopefully you guys are sort of a little bit familiar. We mentioned that sugar episode, so go backwards and have a listen if you want to check in about um, sugar and, and insulin resistance. But if you're familiar with insulin resistance, um, that's where the cells gradually lose their sensitivity to insulin. And this is a similar pattern in thyroid as well. And it's as if the thyroid hormone is like knocking on the door, you know, and the cells just not answering. Yeah. And so then you start to get sensitivity and uh, resistance. So vicious, nasty cycle. But once you're at that stage, that's usually when you start to um, have to move, unfortunately, into the medical realms. And sadly, there's sometimes a point where there is no point of return mm-hmm. and you will be lifelong on thyroxine or a thyroid hormone replacement because the damage is so bad that your body can't regenerate or repair. So we would love to stop you getting that far down the track. Um, let's talk about some strategies we can do to overcome that. And because, you know, stress is the, the biggest key factor there, all of your good positive stress reducing techniques, um, you know, relax meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong, um, whatever it is that you can do to identify your stresses and shift them is going to be really, really positive and helping your body to respond to stress in a different way and have different possibilities 
is a great thing as well. You know, your deep breathing techniques. Um, Ash, is there anything that you do? Definitely morning stimulants, you know, so yes. just trying yeah. not just to ramp up your adrenals, um, you know, cutting back on your sugar, cutting back on your, your coffees intake a day. You know, if you, you're having three, four, five coffees, it's way too much. Sorry, guys. Um, I know that's probably disappointing for you to hear, but, you know, one to two a day tops, I think is, you know, is an okay allowance of caffeine, but we're not talking mm. double, triple shots here. Um, mm. yeah, so don't go cheating and saying, oh, but I'm only having two copies, but I'm having, you know, <laughs> four hits every time I have a coffee. Um, just don't fatigue out your adrenals because the knock on effect is that your thyroid is going to become dysfunctional in the future. Um, it's not just a, it's not a situation of, of if it really is a situation of just when you're mm. playing roulette with, um, something that, your body can't combat you know we're just over utilizing all our resources inside and we burn them out we wear them out and you know avoiding stimulants avoiding uh foods that are going to create inflammation that's going to affect the gut health for all the reasons that oh, we've mentioned okay yeah. already absolutely um, everything refined flowers i mean high fructose corn syrup if you ever see that on a packet get rid of the packet no. it's a danger danger i mean we talked about them before industrial seed oils yes exactly you know so inflammatory in the body um gluten if you have a gluten sensitivity actually triples your risk of thyroid disorders yeah that's um, huge i see that uh it, it goes hand in hand anyone who i've experienced that has an autoimmune thyroid condition like hashimoto's will absolutely have a gluten sensitivity um whether or not they know about it they'll absolutely have symptoms that go with that as well um well now that we're talking about food let's just talk about the goitrogens really quickly um so like we mentioned a goiter is an enlargement of the thyroid gland um, that can be associated with neck swelling and things like that when it gets to quite extreme. Um, but there are foods that actually promote the, these goiters or this enlargement and will disrupt the thyroid function as well. And Which soy, ones are they? soy is a big one. Soy will slow down <clears throat> thyroid function. Um, and there's some other things as well. Are you um, just clearing your throat, Chris? Do we talk about uh, thyroid and you're like, oh, it's fine. Isn't it? You get a bit um, like, you start to sense your throat because you talk about throat all the time. I'm very conscious of it. You so, become, yeah. so, and and I, I think I keep referencing it. I keep touching it. So, um, so soy, millet, broccoli, kale, and Brussels sprouts will actually suppress the thyroid function by interfering with the cell's uptake of iodine. And like we said, iodine is uh, a key to normal thyroid function. Um, however, Cooking these goitrogens actually destroys that goitrogenic property. Um, so, you know, a lot of those cruciferous vegetables have been plastered as bad for the thyroid, especially kale recently. I'm not sure if anyone's seen that in the media. Um, but if you cook it, then it loses those effects. This is not true for soy and millet, though. So for anyone with thyroid disorders, I would absolutely blanket say avoid soy and No millet. soy lattes because <laughs> you've got the double whammy. You'll have the uh, the stimulant and the soy, so stick away from those soy lattes. Yes, exactly. Um, any other foods uh, that you can think of, Ash, that, that we haven't already covered? Look, I'm probably not going to say reduce. Um, instead, be aware of adequate intake of foods that provide you with um, a, a good source of DHA and EPA. So Great. this is when we're going to go into essential fatty acids because awesome. if you think of every little cell in your body, it has a cell membrane around it. So imagine your cell like um, an avocado. Okay, so you've got a cell and the cell itself has got a, a, a membrane just like the avocado skin. 
Okay. And then inside the cell is the intracellular fluids and the intracellular matrix. And that's just like the fleshy bit of the cell. And then you have all the working bits. The seed is like the, the nucleus where all of the stuff goes on inside. And that's, that's where the growth analogy. is. I like that. I just came up with that. Don't ask yeah. me. I was just trying to think of something. I'm just like, actually, an avocado is just like a cell. It's just like a cell memory. Um, so what we, we can imagine now is, if, um, and in the case of an avocado, if insects have bore holes through the avocado skin, then the cell, the, the fruit and flesh of the avocado is susceptible to disease and destruction. Okay. Cause you, you've now, you know, made the cell, the avocado, um, susceptible to injury. And it's the same like your cells within you. If your cell membrane is, is injured or damaged, and this is inflammation, problems with leaky gut syndrome, so we're, we're damaging the linings and the cell membranes, then they now become porous. And that means mm. the cell cannot do the job it's designed to do. It's dysfunctional. So if you're lacking in essential fatty acids, uh, then you are going to have problems with your cell membrane. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have damaged fruit. Yes. Just like our damaged avocado. So um, I really encourage a, a good, adequate intake. And yes, you actually will probably need to supplement. I don't believe we can take in enough fish you know, and fatty acids to make sure you've got an adequate dietary intake, not to mention the issues regarding, you know, fish, how they're farmed, where they come from, you know, are they deep sea? Are they farmed and stressed out? So they're toxic. Um, I mean, gosh, do they come from, you know, the regions now starting to be affected by Fukushima radiation? I'll just put it out there. There's a a really big stuff starting to happen. You'll start to hear the Twitters and the little whispers along the the health circuits now because these things are becoming more relevant. So, you know, I suggest recommend supplementing with uh, a fish oil, a high quality fish oil or flaxseed oil, something with high amounts of uh, omega-3 fatty acids. Yeah, great. And these are generally, uh, you know, when we say high quality, it's usually practitioner-only prescriptions. So, yeah. so speak to your practitioner, speak to your chiropractor or your naturopath about about these things and because you may actually need to supplement. Um, you know, we talked about copper, zinc, and selenium um, hmm. before and how Fine balances there. We've yeah. got to get those things right. Um, vitamin A is important for thyroid function as well, as is vitamin D, good old sunlight, <laughs> um, which absolutely, um, you know, helps to regulate things. And there's a really high prevalence of vitamin D deficiencies and thyroid disorders. So make sure that you're out there in the sunlight, in full sunlight without sunglasses or makeup or sunscreen on with as much body exposed as you can. And I'm talking between 10 and two, like I know everyone's always told to avoid those times. Don't go out into the point where you burn, but get some good sunlight to, you know, aid your, aid your body and your pineal gland into actually, you know, absorbing the yeah, but look, I'm, I'm super excited about those solutions. And the reason I am is because, gosh, if you, you just do a couple of those things to fix your thyroid, because we're trying to approach thyroid problems, just imagine what the flow and effects are to your overall health and well-being as well. Yeah. And again, we talk about wellness. Wellness is an integrative, holistic, big picture vision of, you know, how to get you from where you are symptomatically to where you want to be in terms of your health and well-being and the quality of your life and the quality of your existence. So look, I think that's kind of covered a really big slab of what we want to talk about in thyroid function today. You know, you know, the problem is, is a problem in regards to the function of the thyroid. Mm-hmm. We talk specifically about hypothyroid and Hashimoto's um, and the you know the influences of immune disorders and autoimmunity you know destructing of uh, cell and tissue and how stress plays a huge part in that and how the adrenals are key responsible for that was there anything else we need to run through do you think andrea oh i think you know go back and listen to our adrenal um health episode and also the one on environmental pollutants as well 
well because of all of those, you know, estrogenic effects of those things and how that can also lead on to thyroid disruption too. Um, so, you know, go, go back and listen to what, what else is in the library there it will be helpful. Um, but we'll repost all of this stuff onto our Facebook page anyway. Um, please let us know if you have any, um, you know, issues that you've experienced with some of these similar symptoms. Um, don't just accept your current results as gospel and don't let your, you know, your physician tell you that you're suffering from mild hysteria yeah um, and look if you agree or disagree with anything we have to say we'd love to hear from you so jump on facebook jump on uh, our our itunes page leave us a comment and we'll get back to you straight away i um, mean you know thank you to the people who do drop us comments and feedback because it one gives us a chance to acknowledge that um what you're saying is great stuff and two we're really glad when people do you know either critique or give us some feedback on something maybe we just misquoted something i would love you to correct us for that because um our goal is to help you and to help others so give us the feedback we, we need to hear so we can keep building amazing episodes for you guys to learn from and um, we want to you know create a whole tribe of wellness women so we look forward to joining you for the next episode um, good luck with some of those transitions towards improving your thyroid function and we'll talk to you next week be well this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.